Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of On the Turnbuckle here on mypodcasthouse.com. Thank you for joining us on whatever you're listening to us on. We hope you're enjoying the shows that we've put up before and we hope you enjoy this one as well. Uh, Lyle's not with us tonight. He's cook and sick and not well, so he's home in bed. Well, she's here though. G'day, Walshie. G'day, Tony. Yeah, Lyle-less, I think mm. you were saying before we went to air. Yes. It's a nice word. We should use that more often. No, poor Lyle. He's, he's very sick. I spoke to him earlier. Yeah, that's um, right. I think he's blaming me because for getting him sick, but we never made out, I promise. No, that's right. Uh, how are you? you getting ready for what should be a big pay-per-view Monday? Yeah, I think SummerSlam, uh, WWE say it's their second biggest show of the year. It's number probably three for me. I prefer um, Royal Rumble. Uh, everyone loves a Rumble. Um, but a lot of the wrestling companies in Australia are- I'm a big Survivor Series fan. Well, this year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, a lot of the wrestling companies in Australia are running um, at a pub. They're running the yeah, show. Yeah, Sporting Globe in Richmond, I think, here in Melbourne. Yeah, MCW and, run that yeah. one. I, I know traditionally PWA in Sydney runs something. and So just check um, with your local promotion and see where everyone's getting together to watch it. But I'll be at the Sporting Globe. Yes, same here. I will be as well. All right, uh, Mick Moretti last week, fantastic show. It sounded really good, some good feedback on that. We did, we did. And for the first time ever, we got good feedback on something I said on the fod- podcast. Usually it's you, and I'm, I'm going to run with that. My rant on on uh, One Hour Tea's got some <laughs> love yeah. online, um, which made my day, to be honest. Um, I did see a post about someone wanting me off the show, saying that my wrestling knowledge wasn't oh, That was one of our enough. reviews, yeah, I know. But here's the thing, Tony. You're undeniably the star of this podcast. Like all of the feedback of something being funny or, um, you know, people laughing inappropriately when they're out, it comes from something stupid you've done. The podcast wouldn't work without that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, I promise I won't be stupid this week with our guests. I don't even know who it is, actually. Who are we speaking to this week? Uh, we already recorded it. Sorry? We recorded it last week without you. When? You couldn't be trusted. I beg your pardon. No, come on, come on. Are you serious? Yes, we had a look. This week's guest. Um, did you notice the music that opened the show? Yeah, it was Lockie Hendricks's music. Yep. Why do you think I might have played that? I have no idea. So before Lockie, you're not. He's not going to walk in the door again, is he? Before Lockie Hendricks jetted off to, I'm not allowed to say where because he hasn't announced it yet. Mm-hmm. He came into the studio and did an in-depth interview. No gimmicks. You're fucking kidding. No, nah, he sat down. He was open. And I wasn't invited. Every question every question was answered with uh, in full. It's a side of Lockie Hendricks that you've never seen before, and he says you'll never see again. And I wasn't invited. We've got an exclusive interview like this, and I wasn't invited. No, you you no, look. Um, you, you and you and Lockie, you and Lockie, is like is, oil and water. This is wrong. Well, you were invited. Let's face it. Absolutely, you refused wrong. to come. Oh, I really look forward to listening to this then. 
Hope you enjoyed it out there, folks. You told me that you had listened to it. No. You haven't listened to it. Oh, you're going to love this. This is, yeah, without, without a doubt, this is one of my favorite interviews that I've done. Uh, Lockie is one of the best characters and best wrestlers in the country. And trust me when I say this is something and a side of him that you've never heard before. Welshy and Lyle here for On the Turnbuckle. And we've got a very special presentation today. We've got... Lover boy Lockie Hendricks in the studio. Yes, this is a very weird experience. I'm not insulting the entire on the turnbuckle team right now. So Which is lucky for me because I'm having serious issues recording this episode. So <laughs> yeah, no, I'm being very understanding. <laughs> it's 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 like the wrestling universe doesn't want this to be told. Yeah. <laughs> Andy Kaufman's uh, doing <laughs> stuff here. That uh, he Andy, are you there? Me. Yeah. Uh, well, un- unfortunately, Tony's not here. He's going to well, miss. Fortunately, out on some would say. Yeah, for himself, I'm saying. I, I always think Tony was the uh, enabler of my bad attitude. To be yeah. honest, I don't think he was, um, you know, cuddly enough. He could have been. Wasn't could have been supportive. A lot- Wasn't yeah. a supportive man. Now the the genesis of this interview was um, outside the New Japan show where we'd both had a few drinks. It's fair to say. Yes. And we yes. happened to bump into each other, and you pitched this idea. And I, we've been I, worried ever since that you were going to uh, change your mind. I nearly did. Uh, like, this one is I'm very nervous about. Um, I was saying in the first take of this uh, <laughs> thing that being Loverboy is such an easy thing for me in any appearance or radio or podcast or whatever. But doing this, speaking as myself, is a bit more of a challenge because I've never really done it before. So I'm actually excited to see how this turns out and how it's perceived by the public. And Loverboy is such a, a big character as well mm. that once you're in, I mean, I've, I've been lucky enough to be sitting here talking to you and then seeing you flick the switch. Yeah, it's usually, I just say Loverboy, son, and then I'm pretty much in. So. Yeah, you normally yell it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very loudly with <laughs> the nasally voice. But I've only seen really a couple of people transform into their character as suddenly before, mm. and it's you... Matty Wahlberg. Yeah. And Avery. Yes. Yes. Uh, all three of us very dedicated to our uh, personas. And how early into your uh, wrestling uh, journey did you have this character uh, in the process? So I, like, I always wanted to be a bad guy wrestler. Like, when I started being a fan, I was always obsessed with the bad guys. Because this is usually, why I like you so yeah, much. Yeah, but... Usually because they were the ones that were talking trash. They were always really entertaining and I always, like, couldn't stop watching them. When I was a kid, like, the, the hardest feud for me was Triple H and Shawn Michaels because those two were my favourites. Triple H was the ultimate bad guy and Shawn Michaels the ultimate good guy. Um, but so the character came from, I reckon, as early... Like, there were, there were parts of the character as early as like 11 and 12 where I came up with this character Lockie McKenzie um, where that that was my e-fetting gimmick I guess and I had the nickname and a lot of high school people will uh, be very happy to hear me say this one last time but I was the real dealing sex appealing wife stealing girlfriend feeling main event Lockie McKenzie and I also had, like, the slogan that LOL stood for Ladies on Lockie. Uh, so that was probably the earliest of what would become Loverboy. 
Uh, but where Loverboy comes from, from, I guess, a wrestling thing. Uh, so at Vicious Pursuit, when I, was, uh, when I started training, 2014, I think this is around, it was me, Vance Adams, TD, and E-Man. And we called ourselves, this was just a joke thing, but we called ourselves MLC, which was the Melbourne Love Connection. So you had Manny Casanova, TD Heartbreaker, Handsome Vance Adams, and then Vance came up with Loverboy Lockie, which he got from a wrestling name generator because it used to, like, say Loverboy Hendrix. That was one of the names. So he came up with Loverboy Lockie Hendrix. So um, obviously being a heel has always been yes. what you want to be. Always wanted to be the bad guy. But when you started wrestling, that's not how people saw you. No, so a lot of people, like, I remember I started, I came in, I'm going to be the best bad guy that Australian wrestling, that the world has ever seen. And everyone was like to me, no, you are adorable. You are going to be a good guy. Uh, very rockers, Shawn Michaels and <laughs> Marty Jannetty. Uh, so I, that was like... Very weird to me because I thought I would be really good as a bad guy. So having to learn to be a good guy, which is a really hard skill, having people like you for being a nice person is really hard in wrestling. Can I just interject for one moment? Yes. I tried to get dirt on you from multiple people. Oh, I'm sure you got No so one, everyone oh. was like, no, nah, he's a good guy. Oh, wow. We love Lockie. You did not ask the right I've people. I asked <laughs> the wrong people. I should not have asked Game Changers. I've got actually something we can't go with. It's from Tony, but I definitely oh, want to bring yeah, that stuff yeah, out. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, so a lot of like, it was a very, I guess, hard thing to convince people that Loverboy could even work because they had seen Star Lockie and being, you know, that adorable good guy that says, come on, I don't think a lot of people could ever see that character becoming the lover boy. So it was a very hard transition, I think, for a lot of people. I love hearing someone call themselves adorable. Oh, uh, yes, I was very adorable back then. <laughs> and how long did it take you to convince people to... Lover boy, he'll. Well, even uh, Fresh always said to me, he thought there was still like legs with a uh, good guy or lock star Lockie. Uh, my thing was always though, I didn't want to do it so long that people started booing me. I wanted to end it before that. And so convincing people, I think it was very luck lucky that. I got paired with Crackerjack because he wanted a story told and Lockie was like Lockie turning evil was a great device for his story to be told. And the turn means a lot more if you're still loved by the crowd. Yes, exactly. Um, I was saying this in our take two or take one <laughs> that we had. Uh, but I blame Tony, by yes, the way. Yes, I blame Tony as well. But uh, so me and Crackers, we sat down December 2016. We had just filmed um, Bastard TV where Lockie met Cracker Jill. And we sat down and planned the whole year, every show, what would happen and all that. And things change. Like I remember in the original plan, we didn't have a happy ending for Crackers and Lockie where in the, what actually happened was we did a happy ending 
uh, because I watched the end of Breaking Bad and I always felt that season four, it wrapped itself up nicely. But the beauty of that is that Walt still goes to it. He could have been free. It could have been a happy ending, but he went back and I loved that uh, thing for Crackers and Lockie that it could have been a happy ending, but they went back to each other one last time and unfortunately it just all exploded. Uh, because I like Breaking Bad was my inspiration for that entire story with uh, Walt and Jesse almost being switched around with me and Crackers, Crackers being the evil, you know, old wise man and Lockie being the adorable uh, young stallion. <laughs> um, and then them like switching roles by the end of the story. And what was your relationship like with Cracker Jack prior to the... It was actually... It's really funny. So he did promo class at Vicious Pursuit at that time. And we got along, but we didn't really know each other that well. And then when we started teaming and all that, we realised how similar we were. Uh, like we're very similar and we're both very passionate and we're both very stubborn. Uh, but he's both very like a party. Yeah. But he's very, he's very accepting. Uh, he, he accepted a lot of my ideas when he really didn't have to. Uh, but he, so it was one of those things that some, like something beautiful was happening in the audience's eyes, but also just in real life, something really nice happened and I gained a uh, father figure, I'd like to say, in Cracker Jack. What's it like for a performer when you're going along the storyline, the um, the friendliest bastard storyline, yeah. and you know that the crowd's not going to get a happy ending, and they're they're just enjoying the ride? Do you, do you just feel really I've, happy about it? Was that you've got them? Yeah, it was weird. I felt that there were times in that story. I tried to be too bad early, like looking back on it now. At the time, I was like, I'm doing amazing work. But (laughs) looking back, I can see that I was like so obsessed with becoming this lover boy character that maybe I sacrificed elements of the story. Um, So when I, like the crowd still was along for the whole ride, but if I could change, I guess, one thing, it would be more so than getting to the end, enjoying the present and, uh, like, doing what was right for the present, not doing what's right for the end, I guess. Which is the hardest thing about writing, mm. any any creative writing, is you know where the end is and you really want to get there. Yeah, and, and I was so obsessed with becoming Loverboy. Um, and I remember when I did the, I guess, Lockstar's, like... Spurt, I guess, like hissy fit when I uh, split up with the uh, Emily. I straight away went to Loverboy, which looking back, and I remember Fresh was like, "You've done it too quickly. Like they shouldn't even know that you're Loverboy yet. They should still have that belief." And looking back, I can see now that was like the right answer. But at the time, I was like, "No, I'm Loverboy. I'm you're this. also very I'm, young." Yes. Um, but I was very much like, I am this, I, like, I've got to be this, while it probably, the only redeeming thing I can look at it now and go is that I remember Final Battle where Lockie and Crackers collided. I remember saying to Fresh that the, be- the beauty of the story now, which we didn't have before, 
is that Lockie is a lost cause already, but Cracker Jack is making a lock star Lockie move in still seeing good in this piece of shit. Yeah. So I like in sacrificing what could have been, I can always look at that and be really proud, but it's just an interesting thing to look at, like in hindsight, years later. And I mean, if you had weekly performances, the story mm. was going weekly. It's so much easier to be patient yes. and tell that story gradually. But when it's monthly, it yeah. becomes a lot harder to be patient because it's going to take the best part of half a year to do that. Yeah. And we did it in like, what does Lockie learn from this? Like he learned the worst in every scenario. So when it was Preston and Payne, he learned that he's got to, he can't always be like a nice guy. He's got to be ruthless. Uh, he's got to have that ruthless aggression. Um, and then with the Avery thing, he learned that he can't like just love anyone. And then with Man United, I, I remember the whole storyline. Um, <laughs> with Man United, he learned that he can't always trust his friends. And then like the story just get, and he just, what could have been really good learning moments and made him a better person or made him a better wrestler, just made him into an awful person, which I think is the beauty of the story as well. Now, you mentioned Cracker Jack being very accommodating with your ideas and stuff like that. Yes. What's it mean for such a young performer at the time working with an Australian legend on a collaborative oh, uh, stage? I always say there are three or there's four I should say like so many people have helped me and I don't want to forget any names or anything but I consider four people who have helped me the most and those people are Carlo Cannon, Cracker Jack, Chris Fresh and Adam Brooks and I'll go into the detail with Cracker Jack I think it was such a it was very eye-opening because you see things when you're new and all that you see it from a I guess a immature aspect or inexperienced like you don't know how things are going to work in front of a crowd so you have this idea and it could be great but in front of a live audience it could just go like go to absolute trash so Cracker Jack was always good at um explaining hey this idea is good but it just won't work for the crowd or he was always really good with promos and everything like that and he's like one of the hardest working people I've ever met. So he was always like any idea I had, he always went tenfold to make it absolutely brilliant. And any idea he had, um, he would always like explain why it worked, like why, like even with matches and that, he would always explain why we're doing this and everything like that, which was really rewarding. Was it an awkward period when the lover boy character first started in mcw mm. and you're getting booked at other places but they're yes. not they're probably not across it was it was that awkward no it wasn't because the lover boy character i think is very easy to get like i always try to make like whatever i'm portraying very easy to get for the first time viewer because you can wrestle in front of the same people and they'll always get it, but then sometimes you're going to be wrestling out in Dubbo or Lifco and those people aren't going to get what you're doing. So I always tried with appearance or um, I always tried to do something. Like with Loverboy, I always, the nasally voice, I ham up a lot. Um, so, yeah, it was never really that awkward because I could just be like, I am this you'll see it in the ring. And as soon as they saw it in the ring, luckily they were able to get what it's about and everything. 
and the the early ideas of you know you've had a few years to think about it how far you wanted to go on the heel side. Obviously, we don't see you behind the merch stand. You don't have yes. T-shirts. You're not selling 8 by 10s yes, and no. kissing babies or anything no, like that. No, no, I, I, I wanted to be bad. So is that where the hair comes from as well, obviously? Yes, yes. Confronting. I always wanted it to be when you – and it was the same when I was lock star Lockie. When you look at him, you know exactly what he is and what he's about because that's the first um, impression of anything – appearance so i always try to make it obvious as to what i'm portraying and what's it like in your regular life with that hairstyle oh it's absolutely awful oh god <laughs> like i've gotten used to it but god there's a lot of oh. like you go to bars you get weird looks there, there are stories i could tell but i can't um that you're, you're I've in just, a gym in melton for example yeah oh like every oh like just weird looks like there's been a few times it's almost been fights where i've had to keep the cooler of heads uh but yeah it's a very it's hard to live with such a hairstyle but i like i love it so oh, i've gotten used to it as well <laughs> what, what what about a maintenance uh regime is that hard as well yeah, so I dye it once every two weeks, um, and, you know, that's not too hard. Like, when it was blonde, it was actually a lot harder because just doing a little bit of pink and, you know, using the shampoo and everything like that. There's a specific shampoo you use for uh, bleached blonde hair, which I did not know about. I didn't even know. Here's a funny story. Your hair can the, go green quite easily. Yeah, so the first time I ever bleached my hair, I didn't know that it would burn. The person just did it. And so it's burning, and I remember I was in so much pain. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm having an allergic reaction. This is the worst pain ever. And I'm like, I can't mention anything to the person. Oh, oh God, oh, God. So then eventually I went, is it meant to burn? And the person's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, thank God, (laughs) because it was killing me, burning my scalp. I just love that you're no-selling it. Yeah, yeah, I I was very red, though. (laughs) Um, Yeah, what does your mum think? What did your mum think when you started the pink hair? Oh, uh, she! Oh no, she hated it. She uh, she sent me to a private boys' school. She wanted me to be a lawyer. So being a professional wrestler <laughs> with pink hair was not her uh, idea of what she wanted me to do. But very supportive. Uh, she has done more than I reckon any parent of a professional wrestler could do. Well, that's your mum in the in the videos with Crackerjack, isn't it? Uh yes, it is. She's taken. Uh, Heaps of time out of her d- days to do those type of things. Like even, here's a tidbit for you. She made the uh, trip Uncle Paul mask for the MCW ballroom brawl entrance and everything uh, because I had no idea. Because I looked into, like, getting it made and all that and it was going to cost, like, near $1,000. My mum was just like, oh, I reckon I could make it out of paper mache. And she did it. And she did an amazing job at it. A truly amazing job. Yeah. That's a well-supportive mum right there. Mm. Now, you mentioned the four people that have um, helped you the most along the way. Um, Chris Fresh. Obviously, you tried to hold back the turn. Uh, for a I, while, I, or he, he he thought there was more legs. He in thought the, there were more legs. In the, yes, the smiling baby face. Yes, um, working with him, like shooting each other ideas yes. and stuff, story long ones. How's that to work? Oh, with? absolutely. Uh, again, very rewarding. Uh, so my relationship with Chris 
really blossomed when I was injured in 2015 because it was a weird time because when I was injured, I kind of got into this weird mindset, I guess, of that I didn't belong in pro wrestling. Like I didn't know where my place was and fresh. Uh, and I always have time for fresh and MCW. Uh, I'll name names, fresh Mikey and Jay, because at that time they gave me a role doing me and Vance Adams uh, doing like the creative for the post show and fresh would talk to me and Vance and he would just riff ideas and all that. And it was really helpful, especially again, because I, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to book or anything. I still, I still don't, but like learning just how he did it. And like, he's always taken a lot of time to teach me those things and just wrestling, like teach me about Australian wrestling and all that, like like Crackerjack, another person I really uh, feel is a father figure, um, and it was always really helpful the advice he gave me. And he, like, I give Lover Boy, like Lover Boy is me and a lot of what I have done, I guess. But like Crackers, Fresh is someone that has added so much more to Lover Boy than I could have ever done. So. I'm very thankful for that. One of the other people you mentioned was Carlo Cannon. Mm-hmm. Um, I spoke to him today, actually. Oh, and cash uh, money. Got the dirt. <laughs> no, no, but um, <laughs> look, he said some really nice things about you. Oh, that's lovely. Uh, I, he said, and I quote, I love the, that boy and I'm so proud of him. Oh, that's very Literally nice. watched and helped him grow up. Mm. We started, we started working together when you were really young. I'm going to paraphrase. Um, you and Emmanuel were there when his heart got broken. He's helped you guys through some tough times. Um, and he reckons that you're like a son to him and you're destined oh. for amazing things. Like, what does a person like Carlo, like, because he's such a big personality. Yeah. Um, and he loves to teach and he oh, loves yeah. to see his boys succeed yep. regardless. Mm. Um, what is it like to hear words like that? that he's a, so open to, to yeah, giving to people. It's uh, very nice. So I'll, I'll tell my VP story as well for what VP did for me. So when I was, so I'd been training for about eight months, I'd like to say, before I went to VP. And the reason I trained at VP, I remember just hearing, oh, there's training every day. And I was just like, oh, I'm in. I want to train every day. Uh, So I went there. And when I went there, I was a very shy in, it's, a, it's weird to say that I was an introverted person, but I was. I was very shy, very awkward and all that. And I feel like because of what Carlo and because of what Vicious Pursuit did for me, I grew up and I became, I, I hate saying the term better person, but I feel like I did become a better, more confident person because of the environment that he created. Um, and it's like hearing those words now is very like I've heard a lot of nice words over the last few weeks, so it's been a weird, uh, weird thing to hear because you know you just know these people, so that when they say these lovely things, your your heart gets a bit mushy and all that. Uh, I was actually thinking while I was walking, uh, like on the train and all that, I was like, this is probably like after this is probably when I'll start to get emotional because this is like my last. I guess, commitment to Australian wrestling. So, like... Rinky-dink Australian Oh, rinky-dink. <laughs> um, so, yeah, hearing stuff like that is really nice. And, again, like, there was, a that, like, a one- or two-year period 
where Carlo was all like I was always at Vicious Pursuit and Carlo really helped me through some very challenging obstacles and all that. So it's very it, it's very nice to hear those words. He also gave me a little bit of dirt. Oh, oh, oh Lord. This is what we come for. Um, salt in underwear. What's, what's that about? <laughs> no comment. Nah, I'll tell this story. So I t- this is 2015, I think. And so I don't know why. I, I had ribbed someone. I don't remember the rib. So I think I had like done something to someone's windshield wipers or something at the rib. But so what they did to me, I think they all tackled me down and they put salt in my pants. And I didn't notice it at first. And then so I'm just walking around with salt in my pants. I don't I don't know what's going on. And then they like someone mentioned something about oh, there seems to be something in your pants or something. And I see, and there's this, like, white salt in my pants. And I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, I'm really confused. And then so they're like, oh, maybe when your pants were pulled up, something came out. So then I was like, well, someone's got to pull my pants. <laughs> so I pull my pants, and as I do it, Carlo puts more salt in. So when I take, like, when I release it i put my hand out there's more salt and i'm like what the hell is coming out of me and um yeah i think mikey j has a recording of the punchline of all this but it all ends up in me i'm like what is this um i'm like smelling it i'm like doing everything because i'm like what the hell is it i I thought i was like losing like lick i was losing (laughs) stuff out of my body like some sort of crystals or something and then the punchline comes, like, in front of Mikey, who's got the camera and everything. Uh, I reveal, like, Carlo reveals the rib and all that. Very embarrassing uh, that I didn't ca- catch on sooner. <laughs> but very, very funny. Good rib. Good rib. And something about you and Emmanuel having a competitive race during oh, the warm-up? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell this story. So me and Emmanuel, we were very competitive in those early stages of VP. I think I'd been only training there for two weeks or something, and he was the guy to beat. So any, like, challenge, any warm-up, he was the guy to beat. So we did this run around the block. It was like four laps or something, and it was me and E-Man, first two. And I remember I got in front of him, and I'm... I'm digging my elbows. Like he's behind me, I'm digging. I'm 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 hitting him as hard as I can with my elbows. And then E-Man uh goes on to pounce me into the fence and I'm like I'm scraped, my knees are scraped, everything's scraped, my hands are just bloodied and everything. And yeah, it was a very painful run. And I tried to run afterwards, I couldn't run. My my body was in too much pain. Now, I don't know what this story is. This could, you may want to not tell this one. I don't know. Okay. Something about a sunset flip with a female in a private class. Okay. No, this is it's fine. okay. I, yeah, I wasn't this sure. Is fine. <laughs> so I'd had a spaghetti bolognese the night before, and um, I did a sunset flip. The girl sat on my stomach, and I, I said I farted. I shut my pants. <laughs> there was a... Oh, I... Um, I, I, I had pooed myself and I remember I was just so embarrassed, but no one knew, 
No one knew, and I was determined that no one is going to know that I crapped my pants. So what I did was I just went, oh, I need to go to the bathroom, took off the crap-filled underwear, put it in the bin, and just kept training. But, yeah, it was a big fart. Like, it was a big fart. Everyone fought. Everyone was like, oh, he farted, he farted. No, it was a very, very big crap. Was she attractive? I don't even remember. That, that's a weird question. Yeah, Follow-up. Like more embarrassing. Oh, embarrassing that way. Oh, no, it, it's embarrassing in any level. So, Lyle does it all the time. I have done it at work once before. As well. Oh, it's a very embarrassing experience. I Actually, I'll tell this story. Um, this is four years later. <laughs> but MCW February show, I was wrestling Jake Linder. And this is a very disgusting story. So for any of the listeners, uh, if you want to skip. This one just gone? February's yeah. Gone? If you want to skip this match. story. Oh, thank you. But I had explosive. Do I say diarrhea? Is that an inappropriate word? No, okay. Explosive diarrhea. It's a medical condition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had pooed 35 times before my match. And I remember I went to Fresh. I'm like, I'm sick. And Fresh is like, as long as you don't poo in the ring, I'm fine. And you're like, do what you do. So I remember I, I got, I don't even know what I got. Uh, some, like some tablets that don't make you poo. I reckon I took two. A lot of charcoal. I yeah, I think I took two or three. Didn't poo for the match and didn't poo till next Friday. <laughs> So, yeah, that was, but that was a very, I, I remember I had my game plan. What the I was the first at. time ever that being in close proximity to Lindo has given someone the opposite of the show. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, no, but like, I remember what my plan was. I was going to, if, you know, nature calls, I was actually going to roll out of the ring, go under the ring, poo, and then get, just go straight back into the match. So whoever that poor MCW Those Academy, Academy rookie <laughs> who was going to have to deal with it's that, like thank issues. God that didn't happen. Now, I had a lot, a lot of fun at the at VP. Yes, but the training is also hard. The, oh, you yes. can see Carlo's fingerprints all across Melbourne. Yes, you know, talent everywhere. What's the training like under Carlo? Oh, it was very uh, strenuous. A uh, lot of like just very tough. Um, it was very competitive as well, which I think is actually a good thing in wrestling. Like, you're all trying to rise this thing together, but it's also good to be competitive with one another because that's how you're going to get your best self. So it was very, yeah, I think that's the perfect word. It was very tough, but it was very rewarding when you wrestled on shows and things that for Others could have been a lot harder, weren't as hard for you because you had that training. And it's the same thing like the MCW Academy now, all those, like, their academy students, they also have these advantages of being trained by really talented trainers, which um, in Australian wrestling, like, it's really all around the country now. You can see all these people are just so lucky with the training that's being provided. And it, it also seems that Carlo's a great motivator. So, like, if you're having a, a down oh, day yes. and you've got to go to training yes. at the end of the day, oh, yes. he seems like he could get you G'd up. Yeah, no, nah, he, he, he's wall. pretty good at getting people G'd up. So, yeah. He's quite an infectious, infectious personality. Yeah, um, definitely. I've been down to Vicious Pursuit once and I was tired just watching the warm-ups. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a tough warm-up. Um, you've been here twice before. We mentioned him earlier, which is Tony. Yes. Um. We had really good feedback every time we've had those interviews and mm. 
Uh, I want to just put it to rest that you and Tony have amazing chemistry. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm very good. Uh, being able to carry Tony, that's what's really been <laughs> happening. I've been making Tony a star, goddammit. No, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's good. Uh, I didn't actually know that he was a commentator, so like an Oz wrestling commentator. So like finding those things out were pretty cool and like them riffing with him and all that. Like it was very natural, very just organic chemistry, which is uh, always good to find. Yeah. He was the commentator for Gladiators on Channel Seven. Back oh, in was the day. he? Yeah. Oh wow! Didn't Vulcan. even know that. Gladiator. He was, he was the he was the guy Vulcan two points. Oh wow! Yeah, he plays a uh, plays good fodder for the podcast just for us, and obviously it works so well with oh, you. Oh yes. Um, I've been told to ask you about the IWA road trips. Oh wow! Who who mentioned that? I'm intrigged. Uh, it was the JXT. JXT. Okay. Yeah. So the IWA road trips are very, uh, they're just fun. So I don't even know where I start. I started with IWA in November 2017. IWA would be the first company that actually got Loverboy to wrestle technically. I didn't have the hair or anything. I just had long hair, but I had black sparkly tights and whatever. And so it was me, Nick Berry, Mitch Waterman, and Fox who did the first trip. And that was... I'm trying to think if I can tell any that's story. An odd, that's an odd group. It is an odd group, but I'm trying to think if I can tell any story from that trip. I think the only story I can tell that isn't just out of control is we're up till like, so poor uh, Fox was sick and he didn't go out with us Saturday. And me, Mitch, Nick come back at like, 4am and we're loud and we're having the time of our lives and then someone from IWA comes in because the rooms were joint uh, just from a door. One of the IWA staff come into our room and he's like, you guys have to be quiet, this is not on, all that and I remember and it's so rude of me and I'm so sorry to this person. Um, I just Whose like, name you don't even remember? No, I, I remember his name, I'm just being polite <laughs> and I just like like just had my hand on his chest. I'm like, don't worry, brother, we'll be quiet and we'll up for another two hours. So loud. <laughs> and then we had to wake up at like, I think checkout was 8am and that was just, oh, that was a hard night. Then another IW, I, I've had so many, so I'm just going to keep rolling right, go for it. with the stories. Um, so another IWA trip we did was trying to think i i did some by myself that were really good memories uh but the aubrey ones were always the most fun because we did one it was me jxt well it was is that like the aubrey show one yeah um and let me tell you the aubrey crowd (laughs) oh actually i got a good story me and randall are having a match in aubrey and we're, we're doing the um part of the match where we go into the crowd hey who wants to chop lover boy? No one goes up. And Wedge, Wedge, he's just got my arms, he's just got my arms locked. And he's like, come on, someone do it. No one does it. We're there for like 40 seconds. Then this woman stands up and oh, she gets up, she goes right to me and she slaps me in the face harder <laughs> than anyone has ever slapped me in the face. It nearly knocked me out. She didn't cut the hair. No, either. she didn't cut the hair. Like I remember 
<laughs> and I was like, that is just years of frustration at her kids, at her husband coming out on me. So that Albury crowd is very uh, wild and, they, and they're very, very rude. Um, but another story, it's hard to say what stories I can tell, but another story is um, in Albury, there was so it was the same group as last time at JXT. Uh, and Mehmet, we've seen JXT when he's at his finest. Oh, oh just recently, yes, yes. Um, he there was another person from Sydney who came, Mehmet, the Turkish delight. Um, and he, it was like from it was like from the scene Borat. So JXT and <laughs> Mehmet just start wrestling naked. Like completely <laughs> naked. It was like watching Borat and Azamat. Um, I think that's an okay story to tell, but it's it was funny. very funny. Hey, Josh um, was the one who told me to ask you it. Yeah, so. I'm trying to think of any other stories I can tell from... Like we had Daniel Geller on one of the road trips, which like in Dubbo, which was really... Let's talk about Daniel mess. Geller. Yes. Wait, uh, what was... The- Daniel Geller, was it, a, was it always going to be that guy or... Yeah, so I wanted to do a silent like not talk for a few months leading to the uncle paul stuff um so i needed a social media manager and daniel is my close friend from high school that's his Um, shoot name no it's not his favorite show is friends so Ah. i gave him the last terrible taste in tv oh no friends is a good show i'm with you yeah Yeah, great show Um, no, of course not. It's no always sunny in Philadelphia. Nah, friends is better. Oh. <laughs> um, so calling Avery. Yeah, no. So the, he had, we had three choices. Either it was going to be Daniel Bing, Daniel Tribbiani, or Daniel Geller. And Daniel Geller's the most sensible sounding, so that's why we went with that. And you got him booked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got him booked at IWA. So, and he had a match. <laughs> It was a Survivor Series elimination tag. He did pretty good in the match. So, yeah, go Daniel Geller. And I'm, I'm assuming the, the hair would be a crowd favourite on some of these country no, shows? No, not at all. God. Like, I remember, like, there was one show where the crowd just chanted something so inappropriate. And we, all, I remember all of us were in the ring and we're just like, we don't know how to respond to this. Like, because, yeah, like... It's all, with wrestling, it's always about letting the crowd be involved and all that. But then when you have that moment, it's so hard because you're just like, well, you can't, like, you don't want to, you don't want to encourage that kind of behavior at all. There are some words that shouldn't be said yeah, anywhere. Yeah, exactly. So, like, in some of those towns, it gets very challenging. But then you get, like, nice ones, like when I was in Dubbo, they chanted Fairy Floss. And that That's was clever. that was yeah, a clever, very, clever, very nice. But then some, it's just like, oh god, you should not be saying that. That's so inappropriate. And uh, those country nightclubs, how's how's Lover Boys form in those country so, nightclubs? Dubbo has one of the best nightclubs you could ever go to. Um, it really, I remember because we had been to some rinky dink town. And it was Dubbo awful. is a rinky dink. Nah, Dubbo has got my respect. But <laughs> so we went to some. I think it was like this is the year before Wild West. So I think it was Forbes, and there was nothing there. I remember we went into this bar where the people were like, "Oh, this goes off." There was two people on the dance floor. <laughs> so we went to this club in Dubbo. It's called, oh, excuse me, uh, the Amaru Hotel. And let me tell you. 
It is one of the best nightclubs you will ever go to. Lighting is on point. There's smoke machines. I'm booking my you're, tickets yeah, now. You're going nuts. And I'll tell you a funny story, and he's going to hate me for telling it. But So we were all – to go into the nightclub at the Amaru Hotel, it's an extra $10. Um, Sounds like the one in Anglesey yeah, that so, I used to but, spend some time in. Like, <laughs> you can go to the bar for free, but the nightclub's $10. And I remember – Jack Jordan was talking to these girls and they told him, oh, if you want to go to the nightclub, it's $10. And Jack Jordan's just like, 10 bucks. And we were just like, we have never heard a worse line you could say to two girls than 10 bucks. <laughs> Sorry, Jack Jordan. <laughs> I'm sure they were very impressed at his frugalness. Mm. <laughs> very sensible for his age. Very sensible. Now, um, the game changers have been a big hit. Yes, uh, over more recent times. What was the uh, the early stages of that, and what was the the end goal for for all of you? And the selection process. Yes. So with the Uncle Paul story, um, I was very obsessed with getting qualities of his career and everything down for myself. So. I think I came up with the idea for a group, but not to be a stable or anything, just five guys, exactly a clique of five guys who shared the same sort of values as Loverboy and also like just almost a good brother crew. Um, the selection process was, I always knew Rat Pack were going to be in it. I always knew Big Sexy Unit and Machismo were going to be members um, that where we get into Maddie and Taylor, uh, I think we're fresh because I was very, oh, if we do it interstate, like I want everyone there for my final show. So I didn't know if I wanted to do interstate, but I remember fresh, uh, he came up with one, two, three King for Taylor King. And I'm pretty sure he came up with Breaking Hearts in Sydney for Maddie. And when he came up with those two, and then when we were talking about all of us at one show and all that and curtain call and all that, that was very, like, I love those guys. And we do have, like, there's a good bond. Like, anytime I'm in Sydney, I'm staying at Maddie's house. Anytime I'm at Perth, I'm staying at Taylor's house and vice versa. When they stay in Melbourne, they stay at mine. Um, and we, we all share the same values. We wrestle, we party, um, and we're all wanting to be the best in our respective fields in wrestling. So, like, it's a really good group. Uh, and we're, we're all just really good friends. We've got our own group chat, which we've now got to add DCT to because <laughs> it's just incredible. I um, felt like DCT was pulling a bit of a Seth Rollins on Raw the other week when DX were all hugging and he was just standing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's, uh, I said D uh, so DCT's had some good form on the night outs on the last two weeks. And I think I even said at WrestleRock, I was like, if you want to come out, you can come out. But I didn't mean with the game chat. I meant just a bit after. So I, I do the promo after my match at WrestleRock and I'm like game-changing son, expecting to see the game-changers come out. I see Mitch Waterman... Maddie Wahlberg, Taylor King, and DCT. And I remember having, like, putting the mic down and going, where the hell is the unit? I look over and I see the unit just coming from the crowd. 
He was at the bar with us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you're like, I was like, oh god, if the unit messes this up, like, let's talk about the the curtain call. Um, yes, which I was hoping would happen. I messaged you during the week. You saying, did. Oh, I better see a curtain. Call. Yeah, and I, I was didn't... gonna because I was going to tweet it. I thought I'm not going to tweet it in case mm. it happens. I don't want to spoil it for other yeah. people. Yeah. Um, but the and the never ending story part where everyone yes. started singing was so wrestle rock. Yes. Um, so the curtain call was very. We didn't. I didn't even know if that was going to happen until the week of because I had been pitching the. Curtain. I pitched it to Fresh as well, just yeah. in case no one. <laughs> I I kept. I wanted it for MCW, um, but it just couldn't work. Unfortunately, they had their plans and all that. So I was very much like, "Can I get it at Wrestle Rock?" And then we came up. Oh, Fresh! This is Fresh's idea. Um, he came up with this whole big thing of. You know, we'll do the curtain call, we'll do this, we'll do this. And then, never-ending story. So I had the idea with Beige to do a duet with him, and we never knew what song we were going to do. Into Stranger Things. Yeah, so some of the options were Shallow, um, A Whole New World, Don't Stop Believing, Time of My Life, all those types of songs. And then I think on the Wednesday, fresh, like the Wednesday last week, Fresh told me, um, I wanted. Have you seen Stranger Things season three? And I haven't. I've seen the first two f- seasons, but I haven't seen three. And I was like, no. And he's like, I've got an idea, but I can't tell you it because it spoils something. And I'm like, well, you got to tell me it. I, I like. I need to know. It. So he told it's me the it. best scene in the whole series. Yeah. So he told me it, and I watched it, and I was like, yeah, this is perfect. But the thing is, me nor Beach. No, have ever heard never ending story so we in three days had to learn the song and i think i messed it up at wrestle rock but i don't think anyone noticed and if you do watch your back please do not notice but now i can't get the song out of my head <laughs> lyle messaged me the next day to say he'd listened to it the song three times since yeah, yeah it, was, it was stuck in my head all weekend and uh... it, it's a great song and it was a great it was a very like just seeing the crowd and everyone sing to it. And it was a nice moment. Like, with all those bodies in the ring, like, what a group of people to be in the ring. Uh, yeah, it was really cool. And you had a nice moment with Fresh in the ring, yes. which would have been important. Yes, that was nice. I, that wasn't pl- a lot. Like, it, it's weird to think what wasn't, like, so much of it wasn't planned. A lot of Wrestle Rock's not planned. Yeah, but, but that's the beauty of Wrestle Rock. It's just really fun, and I really enjoy that aspect of it. And... I mean, that leads me to talking about the other like cool things that you've done creatively, mm. like the web series, like the musical. Yeah. Um, you've got a bit of a drama background, am I right or not? No. No? No, never. I, I you just throw yourself into these things. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I really... I like, so I did tap dancing and... Like Butters from South Park. Yeah, and jazz for five years when I was four to nine, I believe. Yeah, I think those are the right ages. Because, so my coordination as a kid was awful. So I did those things to improve at footy. Um, so that, that, I guess, is the only performance I really did before wrestling. Like, I always enjoyed drama class and all that. Um, but the musical, I remember the, the musical was a me idea. I always wanted to do a musical and I wanted to see if I could pull it off. And it was actually it was like good. crackers. Like he did everything for that. He wrote the songs. He, 
he did everything for that. And everyone's role in that, like, M did really, like, she could actually sing, which was really yeah, cool. That actually was really an important part of it, is yes. that she could sing. Yes, because I because could it, not. Because it, it really tied the whole thing together. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, it was a real, like, that's one of my proudest pieces. Like, not that it's my work, but proudest pieces I've been involved with. Um, same with the Avery first date. That was just such a tragic story. <laughs> so um, And so awkward as well. Um, just like some of those lines, like, oh, you think I'm a nice guy? Oh, like still make <laughs> me cringe. But like that was the beauty of it. And then Cracker Jack always has that little scene where he takes all the wine, which I always love. Oh, yes, because he's a raging alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> now, um... With the the spaghetti bowls, did he eat eat all those? The chili? A, oh, chili! Sorry. Yes. Um, oh, he loves that chili. Um, I believe the musical. I was in charge of catering. <laughs> I don't think that was a um, mistake on Cracker's part. I think he did that because he wanted some chili. He wanted your mum to cook. And I think my mum made enough chili for two weeks. Uh, for Cracker's birthday, I actually gave him like chili. That was my present. <laughs> weeks of chili. It's very good chili. Uh, I recommend her meatloaf and yummy taties as well. Maddie Wahlberg is going to pop when he hears yummy taties. Tell you and what, cheeky, cheeky tacos some of, my, well. some of my favorite dishes just there. <laughs> I'm interested to see what these potatoes are about. Oh, they're very good. <laughs> yeah, um, I want to talk about some of the matches you've had, especially in the last 12 months. Yep. Uh, you got in the ring with Will Ospreay. Yep. Um. And you basically told a story in absence yeah. in the lead up and paid a lot of money for some spray painting of tights. So they cost me 250 or $350. So, so the story behind that's actually really funny. <coughs> oh, sorry. It's all right. We've been drinking, people. Yeah. Um, so the story behind that's actually pretty funny. I remember, so I was in a rivalry with TD at the time. And he couldn't make a show, so... So you beat him up in the yes. garage. And so what happened there was, I think Fresh said to me, what would you think about the potential um, program of you and Will? And I said, if, I were, if that was to happen, I would spray paint my tights and I would claim that me and B were having an affair. That's like the Ric Flair Elizabeth Rick, story. Ric Flair Elizabeth, but also, like, because of the tights, Rick Rude, Jake the Snake, um, I, I merged the two together. And it, But what, so Mikey and, I think Mikey had to talk to Will and B if they were comfortable with this story, and they, they were so accommodating. And it's such a, like, dirty, like, who am I to be saying? So I'm going to claim like me and B are having this affair that you're like not the right man for her. And they were so good and they were so accommodating. Um, and they really, they both added so much like with their social media and all that. And with the match as well, they were both so giving and everything. Um, that was like, I always say that match elevated me to a new position. Like I thought, like when I look back, I think I was okay at that time, but after that match, I feel like I got a lot better because of, like, how Will wrestled me in that match and just what I learnt from that match as well. It was also a timely reminder that Lockie Hendricks isn't just a character, he's mm. a wrestler. Um, 
because people sometimes cause the lover boy character is so big yes it's uh, sometimes easy to forget that you can actually go mm. oh thank you for saying that uh but i i always say my strongest suit is i am a performer like i am a good performer uh there are so many amazing fantastic wrestlers that i rate like above myself uh but i think my strongest suit is that i am a good performer so yeah <laughs> and uh for me like my favorite i think my favorite of your matches were the series against dowie yes um they were really so that was a weird time because i injured my shoulder really bad before that match before the first match so i was not as confident in doing all that i could do uh but dowie was more than accommodating and like that first match really like um did more so i could do less um and then like Dowie, me and Dowie always joke uh, that he's my bread and I'm his Sean uh, because I love those series of matches. And I also just, uh, we're, we have different views on wrestling, but it's different in a way that it merges together really nicely. Um, and yeah, no, th- those series uh, were very rewarding. And it was just, I remember people, because I loved the story, because I remember like Fresh and all that, wanting Loverboy to beat Dowie, but I always loved the story of not being able to be in Dowie's league, and I thought it was a story that's not told often. It was a challenging story to tell, uh, to do a series of matches where one of the performers doesn't win any of them. Yeah, but I thought that was the beauty of it, and it was also the catalyst of what I thought Uncle Paul would, like, what would become Uncle Paul, because he was so humiliated through these three matches where Dowie just kept beating him that what's next, this ridiculous claim. Um, and then, like, I'll tell like, when you ask about Uncle Paul, I'll tell you a really funny story. But I think what the cool thing about that series is, is that there's something to go back to. Like, Lockie's never beaten Dowie James, and I think that's really cool. Like, I always really enjoyed the Tommy Dreamer and Raven thing where... Dreamer just couldn't beat Raven, and I think that's what I used, I guess, for that story. And then, I mean, we know that you're going away for a while, and we'll touch on that later. Yes. But you do need those yeah. um, those stories. Yeah. Uh, especially against someone like Dowie, who, I mean, he's so good. Yeah. Oh, again, like Osprey, someone that I felt elevated me and made me much better after I had finished that series with them. And... um. I mean, I always find you a really generous performer because you're prepared to look like an absolute piece of shit. Yeah, I I, I always look but, at Vince McMahon for that. And like, you're, you're happy to just to look like a fool mm. because you're confident that that character's strong enough to... Yeah, just... and I always, like, I look at Vince, the character, and always say that on one show, he can be the butt of the joke. The next show, he can be the most ruthless villain. So I think... You've just got to be that sure of yourself, like you said, of your character and all that, that you can be on two sides of the coin, I guess. <laughs> Jericho is another one who yes. successfully could yes. do that, but there's not many that have done it. Mm. Now, we brought it up. Where did the idea for Uncle Paul... I love this story. Where did it come from? So, MCW October, there were people at that show very influential people. Um, And I had the idea in 
now a few months before this That's show. It's still my favourite show yeah. that I've ever been to. I had this idea a few show a few months before. I was going to get spray painted on my tights before the match uh, for the match with Dowie on my bum. Sign me, Vince. I was convinced. I was like, this is like, this is the way I'm going to stand out. I'm going to get sign me, Vince. No one else is going to do it. And then about I, it might have been all. It might have been a month. It might have been only a few weeks before the show. Velveteen Dream did call me up, Vince. I was livid because I had only told Fresh the idea. I, I, I kept well, for some story. reason he's told Velveteen. No, 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 no. It, like just freakish timing because I remember I was so obsessed with that idea because I was like, no one else is going to do it. It's ballsy. It's like either they they chuckle or they go off, oh, like oh, not good. Um, so I was like, that's what I'm going to do. So then when it, Velveteen Dream did it, Fresh came up with the idea. He's like. You know what would have been better? Call me Paul. Like, just riffing. And, and then we, he came up with the idea. We've never done the story of someone at MCW saying that they're better than the company, that they're better than Australian wrestling, and that they're signed somewhere. So originally the idea was meant to incorporate all the big companies. Maybe I'm a Ring of Honor guy. Maybe I'm New Japan, all that. But then we just went into... What about Uncle Paul and someone who is just because like the thing happening with fans and that a lot of them like to uh, say negative things about the WWE and all that. So my thing was, I'll be the guy that loves it. I, I'm Uncle Paul. I'm an Uncle Paul guy. I'm signed by Uncle Paul and do it with all innuendo and all that. And let me tell you, the scariest seven months of my life. Like, I was checking my emails daily for cease and desist. <laughs> um, but you were very careful. Yes, but also, it's just a scare. Like, I, my import, my thing was I never wanted to mock them. I really wanted to appreciate what makes the company so good. So I always was uh, cautious of what I said and everything. And also that it was still innuendo and all that. But yeah, that's where the idea comes from. It was very like, because an idea couldn't happen, something I, I reckon better formed, which is actually pretty cool. And then it gave you the opportunity to, to do a lot of really cool things as mm. you told the story. Yeah, like one of my favourite things is the kiss my ass thing. Like just that whole arc uh, I really enjoy. And the Uncle Paul has been a weird story in that I know... So, like, because something I do, I read everything. I read everything that's said about me because I, I just read it. And I, um, like, I, I would say I saw everything bad that was said about Uncle Paul and it always made me like, like, it's annoying. It's not getting him anywhere. And it's like, that's the point. It's got to be <laughs> annoying. So it always made me happy. Uh, yeah, so. Oh, that's the thing that people don't realise is, when someone in the crowd's leaving that show saying, I fucking hate Lockie Hendricks. Mm. He is a piece of shit. That means one thing. You've done your job. Yes. And also, they might know me too well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, um, a friend of ours, his girlfriend, she's always like, no, nah, I hate Lockie. Oh. I hate him so much. Oh. And and that's the we point. Like, no, no, no. He's doing his job. No, you don't get it. I really hate him. <laughs> I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> uh, like... Examples at New Japan, Gino walks backstage and um, it's like, oh, did you hear the chance of um, fuck you, Gino? He's like, oh, so good. Yeah, so that's good. awesome. Like, yeah, it's awesome when you see, like, 
those things happen on like a worldwide show, like seeing Australia be spotlighted like Front that. And center, yeah. yeah. How did it feel? Well, we're talking about it. Seeing a big sexy unit coming. That that was one of my most. That's one of the most rewarding moments of my career. Seeing big sexy. Uh, unit on New Japan. That was that was a really cool moment. I remember, uh, like when he came out, I had my phone out. I was recording. First thing I get, you can't film, and I was just <laughs> like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." <laughs> but no, that was really cool because I like he told he told me the day before or something like that. And he was like, "You're never gonna believe what's happened," and it was just like, "Whoa!" <laughs> like I, I thought he was kidding with me. I was like, "What the hell's going on?" So no, that was awesome, especially to see him wrestle at Festival Hall as well. Because we went to high school together, so I've known him longer as well. So yeah, cool moment. Yeah, because we were, we were backstage under the bleachers with Mikey, and the pop, and you mm. could hear the crowd were they wanted. Rat Pack Nick. Yeah. And he was doing all his stick. We had a delay. Was it about 30, 40 seconds? It was probably a 45-second yeah, delay. Yeah, so we're sitting yeah. there, and Mikey was, I hope he does his stick. He does his stick. Yeah. And then he gets into the ring. He pumps up. And, does the pump up, yeah. yeah. He does the slits and yeah. everything, yeah. That was really good. It was a nice moment. I've, ne- I, I've never seen someone as um, happy as Nick when he walked back through the curtain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he did such a good job. And But that's the thing people don't realise is that uh, when we talk about the game changes, but... You guys are all really close friends, and yeah, and you're genuinely close. happy for each other. Oh success. yeah, like yeah, it's um, like yeah, one of the most rewarding moments. And it's the same with watching Maddie on Survivor and all that, or seeing Taylor do an amazing entrance, or Mitch just being an incredible workhorse that he is. Uh, I still think Mitch also, is underrated. Mitch is very underrated. One of one of the naturally most talented people in Australian wrestling. Now, you wrestled Robbie Eagles recently. Yes. Um, who, I mean, a lot of us, most people would say, best Australian wrestler possibly yeah. of all time. What's it like uh, to to hear you wrestling, Robbie, and then the actual process of... So, I got told I was wrestling Robbie either... It was, it was very... I think it might have even been the day because our slicks couldn't make the show, unfortunately. Uh, and then, so yeah, got told, hey, you don't have a match tonight. You're wrestling Robbie now. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, it's a main event. Oh, okay. So <laughs> it's a, a lot of pressure. It, that was a very eye-opening match just because, like, after I after the match was over, I was just like, wow, he's so much better than me. Uh, like, just how, like, I can't even explain it. It was just very eye-opening in how much better... I felt he was than me, but it was also very, it was one of those moments of, oh, I've now got to get that good. Um, but he, again, it's like with Osprey, it's like with Dowie, all these matches, I, I see those three in particular as the ones that elevated me to somewhere new. And I'm very thankful that I've gotten those opportunities. And it's because of MCW and everything that I've gotten those opportunities to do that. Um, so, yeah, because <laughs> cool. I mean, there's one thing, though, to to get in a ring with an Osprey or a Robbie and be dra- dragged up to their level. Mm. But the challenge comes from when you're getting into the ring with guys who are at your level or below and you're bringing them up to have a really good match. And I feel like that's something in the last six to eight months that you've been really good at. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm always very... my. I, I, I guess my... 
um, motto or anything. Like I always look at every match as how do I make this better, this person look better after this match than they came into it. Um, and then, you know, sometimes you try risky things and all that to make that happen. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but yeah, no, it's like it's been. I have really enjoyed this year, or I've enjoyed the, this Lover Boy run because I've gotten to have the opportunity to work so many people who maybe aren't as experienced and have tried my little bit to help. So when I work or when I wrestle like Robbie and Dowie, Osprey, all that, the info they can give me and the help that they can give me, hopefully I can give some of it back to others. Yeah, everyone we've spoken to that has wrestled Robbie have said he's very generous with his oh, so uh, generous. knowledge, like after match critique. And very honest, very honest. Yes. Yeah, what was that like? You know, was- oh, is it so again, just so eye opening because you don't. I don't want to say you're set in your ways, but you just you perceive yourself as something, and then when you wrestle someone like Robbie, you're just like. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> like, it's a, like, you just, and then when he's telling you all this, you're just like, yes, like, I felt it in the match that I, like, this is what I need to now do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And your match, I mean, your last MCW match, not including Wrestle Rock, mm. the one with Danny Psycho. Yeah. Um, a real battle of generations, and mm. um, he can do some things that no one can yes. do, and he's. I mean, he's so big now. Like, um, yes. What, what was it like working with Danny? Did, did, you, did you know him well before the match? No, I didn't. He's always been, like, in other companies and all that while I've been around. But I had something to prove with Danny. Like, it was my final match at MCW, and I really wanted to give a show. I wanted to give a good ending at MCW, and I really wanted to make him look as good as he could but it's because he's a bit more of a he's a weird opponent in that because he's so big but he can also do these amazing athletic things it's almost like how do you approach a match like that do you treat it as you know he's an athletic guy that can do this or do you treat him as a big man so like it was a really interesting test uh one that i think went well and i think he's very like I think the future with him and MCW is very exciting because I think he is such a he's a unique wrestler because of his size and what he can do that I think what he'll be able to do next is really uh, will be innovative and exciting. Because for me, um, Danny coming back, um, a lot of the fans don't seem to remember mm. what he's done previously, and yes. it was. Um, I was disappointed that he didn't get a stronger reaction at the start. And that's obviously built throughout the tournament. Yeah. But in that um, final, um, I feel like he came out of that match with a lot of crowd support. A lot of that's due to the Loverboy story and everyone hating your guts. But some of those, some of those crowd pops. I, I still think it was, I was worried that like before the match that maybe they'll hate me more than they'll love him. But by the end, I was very much like, they love him. Like this is Danny. Like they love Danny psycho. Um, and that's, that, that's all on him again. Like I was saying at the start, it's very hard to make people love you for being a nice guy. And I think he did that really well in the span of three shows. 
he does come across as a really nice guy. Mm. And he's so impressive in the ring. His moveset is exciting. Yes. Um, but some of those crowd pops for his kick, uh, his kick outs. Yeah. What's going through your mind when the, the pop's that loud? We've got it. I remember one specific move, the pedigree when he kicked out. And I remember seeing the crowd, everyone standing. I could just see people standing. And I, was, I remember just being like, holy crap. <laughs> like, wow. Like, this was, Jesus Christ. Like, that was, I remember that moment specifically. Uh, that was a really cool moment. Um, and what you think, well, while you're just there, you just enjoy it. You live it. You're just like, holy, holy crap, this is for our match. That's an awesome feeling. It's that instant gratification while you're you're mm. in the moment. I think the it was the loudest I've heard the Thornbury Theatre since probably the Gino and Robbie match. Like just so invested. It was also a kick out. Yeah, it was <laughs> so invested. Everyone's you know, sucked into the storyline yeah. of it and then you know the little twists and turns. So yes. credit to you guys. Oh thank you. Um I'm interested in who you think is not getting the attention of the Australian wrestling public oh. at the moment that you think should be. We mentioned Mitch earlier, but he yep. he's got some credit. I just think that he's better still than what yep. people say. But um, is there anyone that you think in the next twelve months is really gonna? This is an interesting question. I find a lot of people talented, um, like someone like Taylor King. I think deserves more credit for how creative and how. Uh, great his content is. Rat Daddy, his content's amazing. Incredible. Um, Tommy Knight is amazing. Kai Drake, I think, is very underrated. His match, he had a match with Robbie at Wrestling Go in 2017 that was just absolutely spectacular. Like, I remember watching it and just going, this is amazing. Um... I'm trying to think who else. I'll, I'll probably just keep listing names yeah, here. Yeah, that's all right. Um, Lux are very good. Their promo is uh, next level. At I the find moment. with Lux, uh, they're entirely watchable because they're in character yeah. the whole time they're in the ring. Like, even when they're not part of a match, mm. they're still doing things. Yes. Um, which is probably the hardest. Would you say that's the hardest part to learn? I think it depends on the person. Uh, it's a very hard, like, because some people can just have it, have every wrestling advantage, athletic advantage that can be given to them. Uh, but then when it comes to character stuff, maybe they're a bit shy and all that. But then some people can just have every character advantage that can be given. But in the wrestling side of things, not as athletic. So it's, I, it just depends on the person and how long it takes yeah. and all that. Um, I'm trying to think of other people that I can say, I guess, that are, like Rick. Actually, I'll say this. Ricky South's transformation from Ricky to Richard is really like, that's one of my favorite things going around in Australia at the moment. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, we spoke to Ricky not long after that yeah. began. And the way he's playing it in the reluctance and yeah. you could see the inner turmoil. Yeah. Uh, but also smart. just the way 
he, he the, the change is real. Like when I watch promos of what he's doing now and what he was doing before, you can see that difference and you can see it in his ring style and everything like that. I, I just think, oh, another one, Sam Osborne. He's really good. Um, Headhunter Rig is really good. He's really good. He's really good. Very charismatic as well. Um, Carter Deems is really good. I'm, I'm naming too many names. There's going to be a big list. <laughs> if I forget it, if I forget anyone, I'm so sorry. Oh, Julian Ward is another one. He's really good as well. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't think people know this. I watch everything. Like I watch all the shows. I watch I, I, because I like researching and I do it just just to see what people are doing. And so if I ever work somewhere or wrestle someone. Uh, I know what they do and we can have a what I think might be a better match because I have that prior information. Right, fo- following on that, probably might be another big list. Who's going to take your spot in MCW for while you're away? Um, oh, I think there's a... The thing with Australian wrestling right now, and I, you'll see it at the Academy, you'll see it at VP, you'll see it at PWA, you'll see it at Rampage, EPW, all those schools, the Hoos. There is so much talent here right now that when someone leaves, there's about 10 or 15 people wanting it. Um, I think Maddie Wahlberg will do really well. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing Maddie versus Danny. I'm really looking forward, but again, like you've got all you've got all the academy students coming up. Like Villani recently had his debut, uh, and again from PWA and all that, you've got all their guys. So I, I I think yeah, it's cool that I can I guess leave and not I like I'm not worried about anyone like like there being a void or anything because there's so many people who are going to step up and do absolutely amazing things. And when are you going to tell everyone where you're going? It'll happen soon. Like it'll happen soon. But yeah, there's no rush. No rush. Is uh probably don't know how far you can tell us in. What's what's the goal for the rest of the year then? <laughs> to not miss his flight. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> that that's the goal. I, I think the goal for the rest of the year is to... I'm always striving to be better, like, as a wrestler, as a person, all that type of stuff. I think the goal is to just keep improving, keep doing that. The I remember, I'll backtrack a bit, when the Uncle Paul story got pitched, the whole what we're going to do with it and all that and the tournament final and everything i remember when i heard it i was like this is a finale this is a season finale after this i just have to go for a while uh and wherever i go whatever i do like my goal is just to become better and just to become a better wrestler like that's always the goal and hopefully i i can achieve that do you have a message for the Australian wrestling fans before you go um, that have got on board the Loverboy storyline and abused you and thrown toilet paper at you and, um, you know, you've had in the palm of your hand for the last two years? I just hope they enjoyed the ride. Like, yeah, I just really hope they enjoyed it. My goal, like, I always liked Andy Kaufman's mentality of that he wanted 
everyone to just enjoy themselves and to not know what was real and not real and all that type of stuff, which I, which I have ruined by doing this podcast. Um, but, I know, because I've had a couple of people write to me and say, um, is Lockie always like that? Yes. And all I've ever said in reply was, every time I've spoken to him. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, I just hope they've enjoyed my and, – and, like, I know, like, I, I've gotten tweets before and all that – from people who have been like, oh, excuse me, uh, you know, oh, my child cried because of you and all that. My my thing has always been, well, I hope that when the whoever I was wrestling, when they were beating me up, your child was happy. Like, that's always been my mindset behind it all. Um, but, yeah, so I just hope the fans have enjoyed, like, have been entertained by the last five years that I've been doing it, whether I've been, you know, Lucky Lockie Hendrix or Lockstar Lockie Hendrix or Loverboy. I just hope they've always come out of a show either hating me or if they haven't hated me going, that was a, that was a fun experience. I mean, from a personal standpoint, you've been my guy. Um, oh, thank you. I've, you I've, have horrible taste. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a story guy. Yeah. Um, so I always find the highlight is just the crowd reaction you get, your entry from the moment your entrance music starts to mm. so Miami's have been a big part of your act. Yeah. I, I'm going to give praise to Miami. Uh, she's been absolutely fantastic for the last two years. Well, like, she loves that role too. Yeah, she's so good at it. Uh, and it's always fun. Like I always find it really special that she's like out there for my matches. Cause she was out there for my first match. So I always, and she's always, she's funny in that, I, when I'm planning matches and all that, and I'm really peeling the curtain back here, but I, I'm insane. I, I, like, I'm insane. And she always kind of keeps me at a level head and all that. So she's almost, again, taken kind of a mentorship uh, role of just being like, calm down a little bit, Lockie. <laughs> um, but she, yeah, she's absolutely, ta- like, so talented. And, like, the work that her and Jay some of the things do you've had the MCW Academy is amazing as well. And some of the things she's had to be on board with, some of your crazy ideas. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that, <laughs> yeah, she, she's been very uh, professional. <laughs> it's a good sport. A very good, good sport. Good team player, that's for yes. sure. So how's the... Uh, Got a bit of downtime. How's the how's the body feeling? Time feeling to pretty good. I up? yeah. I always wanted like when I was done uh, to just have a bit of a not uh, not even a rest, just some time to get prepared for what's next. Um, because I want to be as ready as possible. And yeah, so what I'm doing now is uh very very nice. <laughs> And that's all I think I've got. Yeah, oh, that's, that's been really good. I, I've uh, been told I've got to uh, make uh, or put over, I guess, parties and pops. The uh, <laughs> chat group I'm in, uh, how you going, all you guys. Uh, they'll be very happy. Mehmet will be very happy. Nick Burry put that over, didn't he? Yes, yeah, yes, near, Nick Burry. Yeah, near, <laughs> the big sexy unit always puts it over. It's, it's yeah, parties and pops. Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. Oh, uh, I mean, on behalf of us, and I'm assuming a lot of Australian wrestling fans, thank you for being so open and honest. Oh. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this. I, I hope so. Um, or maybe no one will listen and we just spoke <laughs> for no reason at all. Well, maybe no one will because uh, Lockie is not allowing me to promote this. No, Larry Kaufman. 
Larry <laughs> Kaufman. I think uh, once people realise it will get legs and, you know, you yeah, did yeah. record it this time, so someone will definitely hear it. It's recording. Yeah. Yep. So, oh, very um, exciting. Yeah, so if you, do, if you are listening to this, tell everybody that it's worth listening to because uh, I want people to hear it. Otherwise, I'm going to have to go back on my promise and promote that it's lucky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Larry, Larry Kaufman's more marketable, <laughs> I think. And it might be uh, might be another five years before we hear you do another yeah, one. Yeah, I, 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 it might be a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> but we are really looking forward to seeing what comes next. Yes. Um, and following your progress oh, through social media. Um, I'm looking forward to the next time you abuse me on social media. It'll be fun. Yes, yes. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> so good luck. Good luck with the next chapter, mate. Yes, and thank and you good, very much again. Yeah, good luck to you guys. What you do is uh, very uh, good for the Australian wrestling scene. Appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, there you have it. Lockie Hendricks catching up with the boys last week. And, well, I'm surprised. That was actually a, an intelligent and uh, fantastic interview. You obviously bring out the worst in him. Yeah, obviously I do. <laughs> but, no, he had some nice things to say about you as well. Yes, he which did. Which is I nice. He, um, yeah, as I said, no one's ever seen that side of him before. And he tell, he promises me that it's the only time he's doing the shoot style interview. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Lockie, for that. Enjoy your time overseas and never come back. Uh, wait, I for some reason on Facebook, mm-hmm. I, oh, this isn't on the run sheet. I've been getting message requests from you from another account. What's going on? Yes, I'm an Arabian. What? No, I'm a uh, something prince. Where do they come from? Nigerian prince or something? Was your oh, picture? I, I don't know. Someone has taken my. Facebook front cover and is talking to people and saying, how are you? Now, that should be... It should be very g'day. Well, exactly. Or I would put someone's name on there. It would be, you know, g'day, Welshie, how are you or something. It wouldn't just be, how are well, you? Well, you'd misspell Welshie as e- well. Correct. And then That was my, should have been my first hint. So <laughs> I just put a warning out there on Facebook that someone's doing this and to be careful because... I've been chatting to Replacement Tony and I like him better. <laughs> I'm thinking of getting him in to host the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord! Too bad he can't speak English. This gets the wrestlers' names right. Have you seen the spelling? I, the only test was he got Nick Berry's name right. He did exactly. So he was he's uh, he's a big chance. Hey, uh, the Iconics losing the title that ah. was a, a pretty big thing. I was in a fatal four way elimination match. They were the first ones eliminated. Yeah, I was disgusted. Yeah, disgusted. What else did you think of uh, SmackDown? Raw. Raw. Sorry. Um. I didn't really pay much attention. It was all in the background. Hmm. So, yeah. Um, okay. Yep. Uh, the Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar thing's interesting. See where that goes. Seth can barely walk, and if he beats Brock, it would be a surprise to me, but you never know. Okay. Hey, uh, let's have a look at what's happening this week in the world of wrestling. We'll get straight into the ending. Uh, Friday the 9th of August, Suplex Pro Wrestling in Newcastle presents Explicit Wrestling. Look forward to that in Newcastle if you're up that way. Saturday the 10th of August, PCW Ignition in Ferntree Gully. Two shows in Melbourne with Warzone also having their wrestling show on in Mulgrave. And Southern Hemisphere Wrestling Alliance is on in Perth. So get out to see your local shows. You certainly do. We'll catch you again next week with uh, another big show. And don't forget, if you've got a podcast idea, something that you want to run with, contact my podcast house yeah. on Facebook, or you can go through the, on the Turnbuckle page. and We can help you get your idea for your business or for your hobby, 
on the air. We love to do that. And, uh, Schools, sports clubs. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. Exactly. Give us a yell and see what we can do for you. We'll catch you again next week with another edition of On the Turnbuckle right here on mypodcasthouse.com. Catch you then.